Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth-building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought-provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Sheff. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. We are here once again to learn to earn. I am your host. My name is Tyler Sheff, and I've got some guests today. And ironically, it's Veterans Day, and I've got two veterans on the on the hotline with me today. First is uh, Jimmy Vreeland. He's an investor out of St. Louis, Army Ranger, Go Army. And he's the co-owner of Joint Ops Properties, along with his partner, Bob Scott. We've also got Bob on the line as well. Uh, both being veterans of the U.S. Armed Services, they harnessed what they had learned in the military to lead themselves into success in the private sector. And that's something we're going to talk about here coming up. The Joint Ops property specializes in lease options of single-family homes and boasts a zero default rate in the St. Louis market. That is impressive. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. How you doing? Good. Real good. Real good. Go Army. Yeah, now, thanks for your service, Tyler. Oh, you too, man. Happy Veterans Day to you guys as well. Same to you. Didn't turn out so well for Army uh, on that football game about a week ago. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we got to have our off days. We can't be perfect on everything, right? <laughs> Lucky for you, see, I don't even watch football, so, you know. I, I used to tell people growing up, I'm like, this, you don't want, you didn't watch the game? I'm like, no, man, I like girls. I, I'm, I'm out with girls <laughs> while you guys are playing football. That's back when girls. That's probably did. a sound strategy. Exactly. That's that's back when uh, girls didn't watch football. So there you have it. But you know, I got to ask you guys. You, you, you saw, I saw on your website that you, know, you were veterans, and of course today is Veterans Day. So I'm going to start off right there. All three of us are veterans. How did the military help you guys become successful to where you are now? You were military officers, and then you transitioned over to just regular sold civilians. So what was that process like and how did that affect you where you are today? I think uh, coming from the military and becoming an entrepreneur, I just, I was always consider myself very self-motivated, self-driven. And then with the Rangers, it was always small units. So going out and being an entrepreneur and not having a boss, not having a corporate structure, it's been very comfortable to me. And I was a salesperson for a big corporate company, and I did not enjoy the corporate structure. I can imagine. <laughs> I could definitely imagine. And then I think, you know, it taught us the work ethic and that having the honor code at both academies, I don't lie, cheat, or steal. And we, we take on a bunch of private lenders and private money, and people do trust us with their their money because of where we, you know, where we grew up, went to college, and we have a track record of not lying, cheating, or stealing. And uh, another thing, I, th I think the the uh, the military fosters um, like kind of a, a no excuse environment. It's like get the job done, whatever it takes, and it's not like, hey, 
you know, five o'clock's here. I'm punching out. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. It's it's just do whatever it takes to get the job done. So I think that carries over to entrepreneurship very well. Boy, it's good to hear that again. I gotta say, because I that's that's my attitude as well. It's like, do your job, do it right, act with integrity, and you'll be fine. Success is in the science. I'm sure in your time, you you know, at basic training, you have to learn to get com- get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Amen. And that's a big part of investing. That is a huge part of investing. I, I'll never forget basic training. I could talk for hours on that subject alone, but you're absolutely <laughs> right. It's that it's it's and it's funny because when I talk to veterans and tell me if this is true with you guys as well, even if we're on the phone like this, after a few minutes of a phone conversation, even without a reference that's to anything military, you can tell when you're talking to another veteran. There's just a different way about veterans. Not 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 to no disrespect to those that are not veterans, but it's just a different mindset is really what it is coming out of the military. Absolutely. So that's a, that's that's great. I'm glad to have you guys around. We um, I tend to have a lot of my vendors and a lot of a lot of the temp members of my team are all veterans, and it just kind of wind up working out that way because when when I teach people out in the field how to get involved in real estate investing, one of the things that I tell them is try to find somebody a vendor that that gels with your personality. In other words, somebody that's extremely the opposite of you, depending on what role they're playing, could present a problem. Different personality types, so. I find that it's I, we tend to our companies tend to attract veterans for some reason. Like if I had to work with a vendor, I had to worry about their feelings. It would I would struggle. Oh. So that's why I like working with veterans too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's for sure. So you guys are you're specialist experts, I'll say. In St. Louis, you're in the lease option market. No, that's it's interesting. I've not, I've admittedly. I've done a few lease options, but I am by no means an expert. So I'm hoping to walk away from this from a great learning experience. I took a refresher course a few months back with uh, one of our friends here in the area, John Schaub. But um, I have always found it intriguing. Tell me what made you guys choose that as your as your niche, as an exit strategy? Well, I wouldn't say we actually chose it. We kind of fell backwards into it, and a lot of other things weren't working for us. And um, we kind of stumbled upon it and, and said, hey, let's give it a shot, and it ended up working out fantastically for us. Um, about two years ago, we, we had, I'd say, um, five single families and, and one four-family apartment building as just straight rentals. And um, the repairs and maintenance on the properties every month w- was killing our cash flow. And just answering those phone calls was a huge pain in the butt. Tracking down rent um, was a pain in the butt. And um, we ended up going to one of our local RIA meetings and, and the speaker of the month uh, had specialized in lease options and, and just kind of it was one of those light bulb moments where it was like, oh, this is the answer we've been looking for. And um, like within a, within a few weeks, we we'd implemented lease option advertising and you know, gotten all the forms and agreements we needed, and and gotten the spiel down. And uh, I I remember vividly our first lease option property um, was a was a house in Overland, a little two bedroom, one bath, probably about a thousand square feet. And this is a house that we had uh, we had just um, just purchased, and we found a, a tenant buyer to give us five thousand dollars upfront when they moved in. And they actually paid cash. And I was like standing in the house, like showing the property to them. And they whipped out the $5,000 cash. <laughs> I was like, oh, immediately, like, like, oh, wow, you know, there's something to this lease option thing. Hey, what did we buy it for? Uh, we bought that house for $23,500, believe it or not. So it's, we, have, we had a 25% return on investment day one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that was before so, payments started coming in. That's just the down payment. 
the security exactly. guys. Exactly. That's I mean that's really the glue that that makes the lease options work is that that non-refundable option deposit that you get up front. Um, it is non-refundable, uh, so so it's not like a security deposit. That's a big differentiator. Um, you know that goes straight in our pockets. That's income. And then when the tenant buyer does execute that option, it, it will count towards the purchase price. So it's not like they're losing that money in the long run. Um, but that's the skin in the game. You know, that's the thing that makes it all work. And um, and when we can do that, um, it means we're not having to track down rent as much. Um, we're attracting tenants who have ownership mentality. Uh, you know, they want to be buyers. They just don't kind of have the, the financial acumen yet to, to get them to that point. And that's kind of our job is, is to get them to that finish line and coach them up on some of those other things like credit score and, uh, and debt to income ratio uh, and get them to the point where they can actually convert to buyers. Now, how do you decide what you're going to need for an option consideration? What, is it a percentage that you go off of a deal or do you just kind of pull it out of the air or how's that work? Yeah. So for our, um, our lower price point, properties uh, we typically shoot for three to five thousand dollars non-refundable option deposit up front um, and for us you know it, that's a that's an after repair value on a house of probably um, 70 to ninety thousand dollars that's the majority of our properties okay. um, anything that we get that is nicer uh, or a little bit higher price point we actually don't set the non-refundable option deposit up front um, we just put out a ton of marketing and then we ask for applications and then see where they come in at because a lot of times we've found uh, if we if we set the price up front, um, you know, the applications will come in at that amount. But if we say, hey, you know, this is a great property. We've got a lot of interest. Um, submit your application and you tell us what's the most you can afford to put down on your new house. You know, we use those terms exactly. And, uh, and a lot of times we've gotten um, $7,000, $8,000, uh, $10,000 up front. So, you know, if we'd advertise right off the bat on some of those nicer properties, you know, hey, we'll take $3,000, we are really missing the boat uh, on when, when somebody can bring us, you know, a lot more than that. And generally with our nicer ones, there comes down to a negotiation and a bidding war. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Yep. I can imagine he who brings the biggest deposit wins type thing or – What's yeah, the, yeah, exactly. And, and monthly rent. Um, okay. You know, there's a lot of variables we look at, but that's one of the other great things about doing a lease option is uh, is right now it's estimated that 80 um, percent of the total buyer pool can't qualify for a mortgage. Wow. So these are folks who want to be homeowners. They have the down payment. They have the income. But for a variety of reasons, they can't qualify. And, and a lot of times it is a credit issue, um, but those things are easily fixed. And then uh, another um, source of folks is people who are, are self-employed and they need two, two years tax returns before um, a traditional lender will talk to them. And then folks who are, are new to the area or new on a job and don't have six months of pay stubs yet uh, to show a bank. So we kind of work with all those people. And when we market a house on a lease option, we're targeting that 80%. And basically, no other homeowners, uh, most landlords and, and agents are, are just missing out from from talking to that 80 percent. So that's really you know, kind of our unique selling proposition in the market. And um, and we, we put ourselves in that great supply demand scenario because we're talking to all these people and nobody else is. So you're, you're this. I, I never realized that the numbers were that staggering. Actually, I, that was a great education piece. 80 yeah, percent cannot qualify. How many calls do you get? Yeah, we get. Um, probably three to 400 calls every week. Um, 
30 to 40 um, opt-ins a day to our website from potential tenant buyers. I mean, it's there's overwhelming demand. I mean, you know, we do a very good job marketing, um, but it, it, when you can have that much demand from tenant buyers, you know, and, and we only have so many properties. I mean, finding the properties and finding the capital is our bottleneck. Once we've got a good property in a good area, uh, it, it sells, they sell almost instantaneously. I mean, um, case in point, a few weeks back, we bought a, uh, a, a three bedroom, one bath, 2000 square foot house on 1.25 acres, had a two car, uh, attached garage and then a detached garage burn uh garage or like kind of barn workshop area right and um total investment on that property was just over sixty thousand dollars and i mean i know that probably sounds crazy to most of your listeners but those are the kind of deals you can get in st louis Uh, we bought this property on a friday and by monday three days later we had a non-refundable option deposit in hand of eight thousand dollars and a tenant buyer paying fifteen hundred dollars per month in rent um, so Whoa. yeah, you can move property super fast. Um, and you don't have to make them quite as nice. You know, our, our tenant buyers can go in there, they can choose the paint color and they don't mind doing some of that cosmetic work, uh, themselves. And, and because there aren't as many properties out on the market as, as a rent to own, um, there's just so little supply for them to look at. So you can get away with not making properties as nice as, as other landlords. That's, that's really, that's interesting. Now, when you, are you guys actually buying the home and then reselling it as a lease option? Is that generally how you're doing it, or are you wholesaling the lease options? We are actually closing on the property, taking title to it, and then um, putting a lease option tenant buyer in place. Okay, so you you retain you've got deed. The correct the you make the purchase. You can. I'm sure you probably leverage some private money, help people get their money to work out there in the marketplace as well. Yep. Uh, bring private money in. Let's say you you buy the property. And then you turn around and lease option it. And we'll talk about, got some more questions about that here in a second. But you lease option it. They live in the house for a period of time. And then they exercise their option and off they go. It's pretty clean, neat, and tidy. And really, you're putting people, giving people the opportunity for home ownership that would never have had it before. Because yep, these exactly. are people that don't qualify for an FHA mortgage, correct? Correct. And then the day they sign their lease with us, they meet their mortgage broker and their credit repair people. And we have a, an education program where we show them the four pillars of what they're going to have to do. So from day one, we're trying to set the mindset that this house is yours and in less than two years, you will own this outright. Yeah. Wow. And it really does behoove people to follow through with the program, um, you know, because an average rent that someone might be paying us is a thousand dollars per month for a property where where they have an option price with us at ninety thousand dollars and you know if they go out and get a thirty year fix with today's interest rates and you know three and a half to four and a half range um, you know their payment their monthly payment including principal interest tax and insurance is gonna drop probably three hundred bucks so you know that's the the real push we make to folks is look you know you gotta you gotta get your financial house in order and this is going to save you $300 every month for the next 30 years. And then it's locked in. Um, and, and that's not counting any, you know, if you look at rents, they actually, you know, typically increase uh, about double every like 20 years. So um, you're locking this, this, this low price point in for 30, 30 years. So you get a fixed rate loan. That's a powerful model. It really is. Now, so, and I also read on your, one of your websites here that you, 
you maintain a zero default rate. And I got to say, listeners, before we I, you guys answer that, I want to say that's outstanding, number one. Two, one of the resistances that I've had to the lease option model, I'll admit it, um, growing up as an investor, so to speak, is I, there's a lot of people in my market, they use lease option as a tool to set people up to fail. That's my opinion. They will take anybody that can fog a mirror and put them on a lease option. They're not taking any, uh, I'll say, marketplace responsibility for who they're putting in their, their properties. So they hope that they fail. Well, obviously that's not the case here with you because you've been able to maintain a zero failure rate. So you're, you're setting them up to succeed. Well, I think uh, the zero failure rate is our private loans that we have to investors. We've not defaulted on any private money loans. Okay, all right. Or banks for that matter. But we have had tenants we've had to evict. And uh, we have had tenants that their option has expired and we just put them on a month-to-month lease. Okay, I see. All right. So how do you maintain, so, let's talk about the private money then, the switch over if you don't mind. How do you maintain a zero default rate? That's good. That's just as powerful, frankly. Because we all these properties are cash flowing. So paying the interest to our investors has never really been an issue for us. And then after we've held the property for close to two years, we'll package five or six of them together and we will refinance them with a bank and then give the private money lender their money back. And generally they reinvest it into another property. Right, because if it's not broken, why fix it, right? Right. And that gives us the ability to still buy six or seven a month and you know, our goal is to buy around seventy houses a year. Yeah. And as Jimmy said, you know, the, the key real really there is making sure the property is gonna cash flow. That's our number one criteria when we're looking at a property. And uh, you know, on a pro forma basis on paper, we shoot for about three hundred and fifty dollars per month in cash flow. Um, after all is said and done. And, you know, our tenant buyer is responsible for all the utilities. So we really just have to worry about the um, our principal and interest, tax and insurance, and then any ongoing repairs and maintenance the tenant buyer is responsible for as well. Okay. And I do think that's the best thing about lease to own is that it's a hybrid model. We have the upside of flipping and we also have the upside of rentals. We don't carry the downside of flipping, which is you're stuck with a property and it's not cash flowing. Well, and there's not the downside of regular rentals because we still have the potential for that huge payday. Well, and I think from an from a, a ownership standpoint, you're also taking the right steps in the right direction to mitigate capital gains tax. Keep that under wraps. Exactly. Because you're not turning the property in six months. Right. And we do do a few flips, but I always, when I write the tax check, I'm always cringing. Yeah, you mean well. Fortunately, I haven't had to write one lately, but I'm gonna write a big one this year. I get the feeling, even though we've done everything we could to mitigate it, we're gonna still have to write one. But that's the reality of life, I suppose. It could be worse, right. right? Yeah, and that is my biggest problem with flipping, and why we don't do a ton. It's just we take all the risk, and we have all the tax liability. You know, it's interesting with flipping. You mentioned that is that nobody. And I talk to these flippers all the time. They they'll post the shut up check of you know I made fifty thousand dollars. I'm like, that's cool. How much did you clear? And they look at you cross-eyed. It's like, well, okay, so take, what, half of that in some cases and <laughs> give that to Uncle Sam, and then you maybe get to keep the rest if you're doing everything right. Right. And, you know, we got out of the military, or I got out of the military in 08, so I've always been conscious about, um, I guess, when the musical chair stops. And I know what people who flip get into that issue. And to us, if the market crashes, we don't really care because all these are still cash-flowing assets. I see. That's cool. So yeah, you're not, 
Yeah, because you're you're still everything everything is status quo essentially. Right, and it, we have three flips going on right now. So let's say there was a crash, and we're not going to get the appreciation we wanted. It's not that big a deal. We throw a tenant buyer in there and move on. Yeah, and I it, I've I know people that have got they've got a bunch of inventory of of mid flip I call them mid flip properties where they've they've acquired them they've started the flip they're not done yet they've had them for about six months they've got well I can think of one investor has about three dozen properties and I'm thinking you better get going um, <laughs> you better start finishing these projects and getting them sold because uh, things are going to change and that's going to hurt so I don't want to repeat history again can you walk through us with us uh, briefly I mean we only got about 10 minutes left here but uh, about it how a typical transaction plays out you acquire the property you close on it and then what yeah so we'll uh, we'll close on the property and we pretty much use uh, entirely private money up front uh, for our purchases and then uh, once we've got a property it pretty much goes into our our marketing system um, you know we will do any any repairs and maintenance that are needed but we typically try to shoot for properties that um, that are functional but just a bit dated so um, you know, maybe so an elderly couple live there and the property has been w really well maintained, it just hasn't been updated in, uh, you know, 15, 20 years. And those work great for lease options, uh, because we can pretty much move a, a tenant buyer in there, uh, almost immediately without having to, you know, take on a big, uh, repair budget and, and manage contractors and, and do that whole process. So, um, really eliminates our, uh, our holding costs. But uh, once once we throw it in our marketing system, we do three main things to market properties. And um, the first one is Craigslist. Uh, we're just posting properties on there all day long. Craigslist still works very well in our market. We also use VFlyer, V-F-L-Y-E-R. It's a syndication site. And basically you can post the property on there one time and then it'll automatic, automatically post it to uh, 30 other real estate websites like Zillow, Yahoo Real Estate, Trulia, uh, and some others. Nice. Uh, so, and then the, the last thing we, we've been doing uh, for about the past six months is posting properties on Facebook, which has been um, a really great source of, of tenant buyer leads. And, uh, you know, we try to target the, the zip code that a property is in, and uh, we exclude uh, agents or uh, investors, people who are involved in the real estate world, so we know we're really only focusing on, on folks who uh, who are just uh, individual homeowners or, or home buyers. So you're marketing on the end client. That's smart. Very smart. Yeah. And face, Facebook's been so good to us, we stopped doing bandit signs. Really? Yeah. yeah we, we used to do street signs, um, which were, were a decent result. But um, but now with the click of a button on, on Facebook, um, you know, for – for ten to twenty dollars a day, uh, we, we've got an ad that's uh, running um, for probably about three months straight now. I mean, we get anywhere between um, fifteen to, to twenty opt-ins a day to our website, and that's opt-ins where we get you know full information. That's not counting you know hits. Um, and obviously, you know, it's a marketing game. Not all of those are, are are great leads, but um, there are always a few winners every day in there. You're the first person, first two guys I've ever heard actually say that Facebook overpowers their local marketing. I think that's awesome. And I was just actually talking about that with some friends of mine the other day. And I don't think that real estate investors, well, a lot of most real estate investors are missing the game when it comes to digital marketing. Uh, I do a lot of my marketing via digital means, Facebook, Twitter, and whatnot. And don't overlook that listeners. Don't overlook that at all. And 
the beauty of Facebook, you know, a bandit sign, what do you do? You stick it in the street corner and a couple thousand people drive by it. Well, how many people does that sign apply to? Well, with Facebook, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, you can laser focus your message only to the specific audience that you want to reach. Yeah, you can get really dialed in with with the demographics on uh, on Facebook, and um, we found actually there's there's a lot of interest on in our ads from uh, from the female uh, audience. I guess you know that they're looking towards their next home, and and um, and I guess the rent to own really appeals. You know, they're they're renting somewhere else, and they want to get into a house that they can be in long term and and raise a family. And bandit signs, you have to employ somebody to go put all those in the ground and draw all the signs. So that was was huge for us. Yeah, and we, you know, just get grief from the local code enforcement. Um, you know, some areas are okay, but it's pretty much always in a, in a bit of a gray area anywhere you're at to be putting out bandit signs. So um, we can avoid a lot of grief there as well. Yeah, it's a hassle. Bandit signs are just a hassle all the way around. They're they're a big problem in my area. They're heavily regulated. Um, in one county, it's ironic. I live on kind of on the edge of two counties. In one county, it's it's taboo. The other county, it's like, well, there's a law, but we're just going to look the other way. But I always, I got to say, I find it annoying that the politicians can get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care who you vote for. It's like, well, why do you get to put them out, but nobody else can? The entrepreneur can't put them out, but uh, nobody else can. But I don't, I don't get that out. I don't understand that That's at all. Good point. I never thought about that. Right. Everybody's everybody's illegal, but the politicians, they're legal. Okay, dokie. <laughs> we um, last thing I want. One of the things I wanted to cover was uh, the credit, the credit repair. You mentioned that early on that the credit repair is in the mix, and I'd like you to touch on that a little bit. You're obviously doing what you're doing. You're successful at it, which means you're probably finding credit challenge. That I'm assuming. So if I'm wrong, correct me. But you're finding credit challenge people that are not able to buy a home on their own. They come to you. You bring value to the marketplace by providing them that product they need, so they can move in and take care of their family there still remains the credit issue you talked about you've got that credit issue uh you've got the credit management uh, piece in there what does that look like how does that work yeah well there's um there's two sides of it one is credit repair and the other is um credit improvement so um credit repair i think is what a lot of people focus upon when, when they hear about having credit issues and, and trying to um, improve their situation and that's basically um, getting with a company that's going to go through your credit reports and remove any um, items that are incorrect or, or try to challenge any late fees. Um, and, and that's pretty fairly common. But the other thing that we do that I think a lot of people miss out on is the credit improvement side of things, which is um, adding new things in that, that are show, they're reflecting positively on someone's credit report. And um, the two primary things we do are, are getting our folks a secured credit card um, with a, a small balance where they know they're not going to get in trouble and using it every month, um, but, you know, not going over, uh, let's say, 30 percent on their balances and making sure they pay it off every month. And those secure cards are um, really reflect uh, very well on someone's credit report. And then the, the second thing is um, reporting on time rent payments to the credit bureaus. And this is a relatively new thing. I think it's only been out, out in the past year or so, but we use a company called Rental Karma. Um, and it, uh, you know, if our tenant's paying us every month for the past 12 months on time, we can uh, actually put that on their, on their credit report for them. And Rental Karma right now reports to TransUnion. And I think they're in the works of getting it on Experian and Equifax as well. 
Um, and if you think about it, you know, uh, your mortgage payments reported every month and that, uh, that helps people out. But um, you've got a lot of good folks who are, are paying a lot of money every month, you know, paying $1,000 per month rent. And, uh, and, and that's never reflected anywhere in their credit situation. So I think it's a nice piece that, that we can add this. Uh, yeah. So the, I, what this all comes down to, I'm saying this boils down to, is that you've, you've taken the steps you've applied what you really, what it comes down to is you've applied what you learned in the military. You, you, you've taken steps to go out and handpick the team that you've got the credit piece, the mortgage piece, and of course acquisitions and light rehab and whatnot. And you put all this together in a big pot and that's what makes this business tick is what it seems like to me. Yeah. Yeah. Having all those different components, that's pretty powerful. Well, that's awesome. Well, they're just not quitting also, you know, when we first started, you couldn't improve their credit. We couldn't do anything. And, we kind of thought that was BS. We're like, what can we do to get through this obstacle? Rental karma shows up. If, if you're looking to get through an obstacle, things start popping up for you. Yeah, yeah, and really like make sure you like ask the right questions and, and know what you're looking for. And one other little example that we've done recently is um, with with the overwhelming like number of calls and inquiries we get, it's a full time job just to call people back and figure out kind of what neighborhood they want, how many beds and baths, and then send them to the right house and give them the lockbox code. And we don't go to the houses um, already just because it'd be so much wasted time out driving around. Right. Um, but we've, we've recently um, got these automated electronic lockboxes. It, it's kind of like a super key for those who uh, are familiar with those from the agent world. Right. Um, they're from rently.com, R-E-N-T-L-Y. And uh, basically, a, a potential tenant can download an app to their phone, and for uh, 99 cents, they they um, are charged to their credit card, which helps verify their identity. But then they can access any home that's listed on Rently in in their local area, and then um, they they can see one of our properties. Let's say they they want to go view 123 Main Street. Um, they click on that. They say, I want to view it between 8 and 9 a.m. on Saturday. And then um, when they're at the property, um, Rently will text them a unique code to input into the box to access the key. And so that, that, key, that key code is tied to their name so we know who's in the property at what hours. And then um, also they have to be, uh, their phone has to be in like geo proximity to the house as well. So they can't just pass out the code to uh, you know, their friend, their cousin, whoever else. Um, so we always know who's in the property and this whole, whole thing is done automated. So, um, you know, this is something that we just ordered 10 boxes immediately and we think it's probably going to save around 10 to 20 man hours per week. Um, if not more right off the bat. Wow. That's, I'm, that's a, I didn't know that thing. I'm a realtor. I didn't know that existed. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty new and, and definitely check it out. Yeah. That's about as soon as I get the phone with us, I'll be checking into that. Cause that is, a, that's pretty cool. Huh? Very, very interesting. Gentlemen, what's the best way for someone to reach out to you if they want to connect? Um, they can email us at jointopsproperties at gmail.com or visit our website at jointopsproperties.com. And um, we also put out a daily YouTube video as well. And if you just go on YouTube and search Joint Ops Properties. Outstanding. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to come on the show and help my listeners learn to earn. That was a great episode. I got lots of good information. I'm still just taken back by the whole rently.com thing. I'm definitely going to use that. And 
listeners, if you are, if you have not signed up for our Facebook group, let's not forget there that uh, come come to cashflowguys.com forward slash group, cashflowguys.com forward slash group to get on our Facebook group. That's where you can do a live Q and A with me. And from time to time, I'll bring one of the guests that are on the show actually on the uh, video Q and A. If I, and uh, you can ask them questions directly from time to time. That'll be happening. So make sure that happens. And gentlemen, I just want to say happy Happy Veterans Day and thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks. Until next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.